0: Coming up on today's edition of Women and Money, the shit we don't talk about, our get, guest is Matt Frisha. Matt is the owner and manager of Transworld Business Advisors of Lagrange.
1: Yeah, I was so excited when I met Matt because um I learned a lot about a, a lot about um buying and selling businesses from Matt and Matt's a business broker. So I thought, "Hmm, this is kind of cool. I never met a business broker before."
0: And then when I dove into a site and I saw all the opportunities available, I was like, wow, how come I did not know about these? And we have to share this with our communities of women. As we know, so many of them, uh, want to be business owners or are business owners themselves. Yeah.
1: I mean, the stat is over 1800 women open a new business every day in the United States, which is so exciting. Um, you know, they can't do the nine to five when they're trying to manage families and children and, you know, ailing parents or whatever. And women are really super cool, great business owners. So, um, we just wanted to get dive into this conversation and get some tips from Matt about what, a, what all of this
0: entails. So remember to like and subscribe as it helps us grow and share it with a friend as we have to keep talking about this shit. Now let's get started.
2: Gloria Steinem once said, We will never solve the feminization of power until we solve the masculinity of wealth. Barbara Provost and Maggie Nielsen are the team at Purse Strings that will help you navigate the ins and outs of financial independence so that you can be financially fearless. This is Women & Money, the shit we don't talk about.
0: Hey Matt, we're so excited to have you with us today and to learn about buying and selling businesses. But before we get in, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. Um, Yeah, so I I am a business broker. Um, I was in corporate America for 15 years and was always in a sales role and kind of got sick of seeing my kids for only 30 minutes a day. And then I said, well, maybe get the entrepreneurial bug. Um even though I had I had some great times in corporate America. I just was um logistically wanted to do some more things. Um and I bought my first business uh, that was a franchise. It was in senior care. And I did that with my mom as well, by the way. Uh she's a mom wow. uh, yeah. And um the first year and a half made every mistake in the book possible. I uh, was trying to do it absentee. I was trying to keep my corporate drive. I was trying to do two things, and then um, only when I jumped in full time did things really start to start to happen. And then in that process we bought a business within a business so we had a territory we bought a third territory that had a uh, billing and clients and caregivers and all that fun stuff and then um that sort of really skyrocketed our growth uh to springboard to really grow that business within five years and then successfully sold it um just because it was a great business we could have kept you know growing it and growing it um healthcare is pretty it's not for the weak uh it's pretty intense yeah. it's a very 24 7 yeah. business um but I checked the box of business ownership and I was like, okay, like I, I'm not going back to corporate America. I'm never doing that. But um, maybe this business per se isn't what I would want to do for the rest of my life. But I um, had a good experience in running a business and growing a business. Um, so then I actually engaged a trans world business advisor to sell my business. Uh, mm-hmm. That took about 18 months from start to finish. Um, and. Upon selling my business and leading up to selling my business, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. Like, I, First of all, you pay that that broker commission and you're like, wow, that's a, that's a decent amount of money to pay somebody. Um, yeah. And then and then I uh, was also kind of like, all right, this is B2B, this is business to business, this is um, sales. So in that regard, uh, I was like, okay, I, I think that's what I want to do. And um, I haven't looked back since and um, have grown our office pretty significantly um, with eight people now, and um, you saw we have over you know thirty, forty listings at any given time, and uh, it's been it's been a positive experience. So that's probably a pretty long introduction, but that that's where I'm at and how I got here.
0: Well, it's a great story and shows great experience that you have. You know, using Transamerica, selling the business, buying your own business, running a business. So you have all that experience, so you could really speak from. Um, so we're so glad to have you as one of our per strings approved professionals, and so we want to kind of dive in more, and so. Just to get started, you know, can we define what a business broker is for those who are kind of unsure? There,
3: think about a realtor, but for businesses, right? So, re- realtors sell sell real estate. Um, business brokers sell businesses. It's not too far apart, um, but I will say the process is a lot different and it's a little bit more involved. Real estate is pretty cut and dry, right? You can you can like buy something. You can see the comps in your neighborhood. You can um, you know, there's pricing that you kind of know the. And there's like six billion realtors, right? Um, mm-hmm. I always say that it feels like there's like four business brokers. Uh, there's a much smaller amount, and, and hopefully over time, to be honest, because we do a lot of education on because a lot of people say exactly what you say. I don't even know what a business broker is. I didn't know you existed, right? So
2: mm-hmm. we
3: talk to a lot of people that say, you know, I'm sixty, I'm seventy. Um, you don't have to be in that age range, but um, I have this great business. My kids don't want my business. I don't know what to do. I uh, I was I was going to shut it down. So I didn't even know I could potentially get value for my business um so we we do the typical buying and selling of businesses now us uh for our brokerage specifically we do a lot of what's called main street usa businesses so businesses under 10 million dollars under 5 million dollars and uh, we kind of super serve the underserved right because and i mean i can have a bleeding heart for small businesses having run one and sold one but um that's kind of what makes the world go round is all these small businesses that are out there now there's truly business brokerages that are mergers and acquisitions. I mean, it's mm-hmm. all, all mergers and acquisitions, but I mean businesses that have a million dollars or more of cash flow or EBITDA as we call it, or seller, seller discretionary earnings. Um, and that's not much different, but it involves, obviously it involves more attorneys, involves more, um, it's a different type of transaction. Um, we're also agnostic. So we don't specifically just do healthcare or just do home services or just do manufacturing. So um We kind of like that we we're we're pretty agnostic in regards to who we work with and then on on top of that um there are some other things that we specifically at trans do that a typical business broker does not do if you needed evaluation just to know how much your business is worth we can do those if you have a unique business that maybe you can franchise that concept we can help you with that as well or similar to what i did initially is i don't know what i didn't know and this person that i met at a franchise expo and again i have to Clarify, you do not need to be a franchise to work with them mm. at all. I just say this because I've had a lot of experience on the franchise side of things. I don't know, he kind of gave me this book and he was like, I don't read this thing. And if you're interested in entrepreneurship and owning a business, get back to me. And I was like, okay. Uh, and then he was like showing me some concepts of franchise concepts. And I was like, well, how do you get paid exactly doing this? And he said, well, if you do you know, decide to go with one of these, I get a commission, you know, if they if you're tied to a franchise that you buy. So um, that's called franchise consultancy. We do an itty-bitty amount of that. Like if, if you don't like anything that's existing, which I always encourage people to buy into a business that has cash flow, uh, mm-hmm. then of course you can certainly always buy a new territory to, to do a franchise if you want. I mean, if, I mean, maybe something's not available in some territory or a specific vertical of business that, uh, that, that somebody wants to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you mentioned some of the businesses that you work with and um, can we go a little bit deeper on how you define, do you consider them small businesses that you work with? Is that your definition? And if so, what is the definition of a small business in your eyes?
3: Yeah, so we definitely consider them small businesses and I would say just to give an example, it's like it's the dry cleaner down the street all the way up to the multi-million dollar business that. Uh, potentially, private equity would be interested in buying because they're mm-hmm. buying all these same types of businesses across the country, and they're they have a large fund and they've kind of established themselves in a specific vertical that, um,
1: mm-hmm. that that's a,
3: appropriate to them or that they've you know kind of focused on.
1: Got it. So, um, can you give us some examples? Like it, like you said, the dry cleaners. Would it be like a restaurant, a nail salon? Are there any that you don't do?
3: Yeah, so it's a great great question. There's there's really not many that we don't do. I think a lot of it has to do with um, what your financials look like, your books, or what the opportunity is exactly, right? Because a lot of people say, Well, have you ever sold this? Maybe, maybe not, but that's that's really not what we're focusing on as much here. People are looking to buy into cash flow. They're looking to or they're looking to buy into a specific type of business. So for instance, yesterday I talked to somebody who had a yoga franchise that, I mean, they're giving it all they can, right? The, the, the wife's the one that's the, the main person running it. The, the husband has a day job and, you know, is trying, trying to you know, kind of keep this all together. And they haven't had huge success with it, right? I mean, they make a little bit of money, but they're, they're kind of in that, like, weird two to three years where they're trying to get it off the ground here. But, mm-hmm. but they're already, already invested in infra- infrastructure. They've, they have goodwill now, right? They have clients. They have membership right now. But they're not cash flowing that great. So
2: mm-hmm.
3: bottom line is that if I was into buying that type of exercise business or fitness business, that's, a, that's they did all the hard work. They got it up right. and down with all these things. Now, I may not be buying off of a, a multiple of cash flow for that, but I'm buying assets of that business that I can springboard off of to, to do great things. And probably I'm getting it for cheaper Than with all the time and effort that they put into it, you know, unfortunately for that particular couple, right? But so those are some things that we would just—it's a pure asset sale. You're just buying the assets. You're not buying into the cash flow per se. That's kind of—I don't want to say it's a distressed business, but that could fall into that category. Now, to to what you're asking about, last year we did 16 deals. So of those deals, there were. Home service businesses, so plumbing businesses, uh, there were what, med spa that we did, um, retail businesses, I mean, even kind of fun educational businesses that are for children and for adults as well. Mm-hmm. So when I say it really runs the gamut, I mean, it, it really runs the gamut, right? So, and some people will say, well, how could you, how can you, I mean, you're not, you're not an expert at all of these, but a lot of these small businesses people are asking the exact same questions about. Yeah you know, show me what it is, how how do I make money out of it, and how do I run this thing, and how involved, you know, Maggie, before we started, it was like, well, how many many hours did I have to, like, be involved in that, so there's a lot of that as well as, like, I I guess I would only say, and I would just caution everybody, there's a lot of information on the internet, uh, especially I see it on Instagram, it's like, buy a business for zero dollars, and, you know, get a business going, and, you know, you don't need any money at all to buy these businesses, so... Like, I'm, I'm slightly terrified of whatever that is that they're trying to promote. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, bottom line is, like, you can you work with us, and we can kind of walk you through some opportunities. Somebody just called me uh, on the way in here. Somebody just called me who there's an attorney we work with. She's just on the, the front part of her journey to buy a business. She has a 401K. She wants to use some of those funds. There's different ways to use all that, but we can kind of get into that. So um, that's, yeah, as, as general as I can get about some of what we work with.
0: I thought it was so interesting when I jumped on your website, you know, you joined purse strings and it has a listing of businesses that are for sale right now. So I was like, let's dive in. And there were arcades and med spas and all these different things. And so I wanted to run through just a couple of these like numbers that you have on here, just to understand it a bit better. So for this example, I'm going to use this upholstery business, um, because how fun. And so it says for the listing details, the price is, uh, 2,200 and 45,000 and then the down payment is 10% of that. And so is that the money that people just need to put down to purchase the business?
3: So there's it, it's interesting with that particular thing. So sometimes it's just the escrow money that you're putting down just like a house, a down payment, right? So I'd mm-hmm. like to proceed with you. I'd like to see if we can work together. 10% would be the down payment. Now there's another part of that that you can do which is is it truly a down payment and then your seller financing the rest of it in this particular case that is not happening with that business but there are cases where um you're providing a certain percentage down and it's never unless unless it's truly distressed and this person just dying to get out and sometimes you know they just want to get out of a lease or there's certain things that happen here where you're giving them maybe 50 60 80 percent down and either the bank is telling them or uh, the seller telling them, like you're saying, it's such a great business. So I want you to sell. I want you to be partially the bank, and I want you to seller finance some of this as well. So that means that you may get a good m- a chunk of money up front if you're the seller, and then um, you're going to do some seller what we would call seller financing. Now you can still make points on that, just like a bank, you can make a percentage off of that over a certain period of time. If you do have a bank with an SBA lender, the bank may dictate that they may say, listen, we want to have this, we want the seller to have some skin in the game. You know what I mean? That's tied in with it. And then most sellers are always just terrified of that. They're like, oh, what if they crash and burn? And, you know, I ran this effectively and then they're going to ruin it and all this stuff. So you don't know what you don't know. But I will say there are some tax advantages to that as well. So when people sell their business, they're going to get a pretty decent sized liquidity event, right? So I just, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't claim to be one at all whatsoever. But I'm saying there are some, when you sell a business, you're paying your broker. You're paying uh, me, uh, the attorney, right, that helped you with that transaction, and then you're paying the government. So there's capital gains, just like a house then, or anything else that's tied with it. So sometimes that could be a very effective way to uh, minimize your some, some of your tax burden uh, when you buy a business. So um, yeah, that's its down payment can be could be just the hey let's get started with the letter of intent. Or, or down payment could truly be i'm I'm paying you a certain amount and then we're talking about you know the, the whole transaction with some seller financing that could be involved with it.
0: okay, interesting because then the next line on there is the seller's discretionary earnings, which in this example is like sixty six thousand a year or sixty six thousand So does that mean that the current what does that mean?
3: Yeah, so that means that the owner take basically the cash flow from this after they pay everybody, they pay. Um, so in this case, you're kind of buying a job, right? So bottom line, right. is like you're making 60 grand, but I would, so, and, and this is the example that I had that, um, sometimes people scoff at that and say, well, like, oh, I do you know, I don't buy that, it's only 60 grand, but bottom line is the, well, let's just talk about that number first. So that is you, you have your top line gross revenue, then you pay all these people and all your expenses and your cost of goods and your, all this other stuff and your taxes. And then that's what you're left now. Small businesses are really interesting, right? Because a lot of people run a lot of inter- stuff through their small businesses. So, you know, they got their they got the kids' uh, school through it. They have their insurance. They got the telephone through it. Okay, there's no judgings whatsoever. I mean, that's the advantages of, of being a small business uh, to do that. Um, but we would call some of those addbacks. You know, we we add those back, meaning those aren't those aren't expenses that are required to run the business, mm-hmm. but they are an owner benefit that can be tied into that final number, there. So in this case uh the people that own that business they're they're older they're probably already on medicare they don't need a lot of money they you know they're like mm-hmm. hey listen i i have this business it has been around for a very long time um you know my father started it we kind of ran it afterwards we live an okay life right we, we don't need a ton of, ton of money um but i would say some, sometimes why those businesses are great is I'll just my example when I bought my home care agency and then I bought another territory that had some caregivers and they were like building about four hundred thousand dollars and you know they had twenty caregivers or you know I can't remember if it was like fifteen or twenty clients and in that case it was a i was i was a very strategic buyer, right I was kind of going and I was already in that industry, but I was able to take that and and really grow it it was it was a great springboard for me to take that and kind of run with it so just because that particular, excuse me, that seller is not lighting the world on fire, it doesn't mean that they don't potentially have some, a really great base to work off of, right? right? But,
1: yeah.
3: Um, you know, so I know, Maggie, you're really good at like it, doing stuff with automation and making things happen. They may not even have a CRM right now that they're using, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, like we could, we could systematize this thing in like five minutes and you know, maybe they're not doing a lot of advertising or or they're not doing it in a way to really reach out. Now if you have the, the people power to really get that business to go, then it's just scaling, right? You're buying something to scale at that point. Or to be honest, maybe you're buying just a job. I don't know. I mean maybe, yeah. maybe for somebody sixty grand's like, yeah, I just was I need something to do, you know, and, and uh that's that's a nice business and I don't mind doing that business at all. So it really that's that's where you know the that net number could mean many different things to many different types of buyers that that are out there.
0: I just thought it was so interesting as you know we talk about so much of like a you know buying a home as a great investment, you know, you have the down payment and then Maybe you, you rent it or you Airbnb it or something like that to kind of get that income. Um, which is one way to kind of have passive income. And so it was interesting kind of looking at this, which would kind of equal the same amount of as a down payment. You kind of see how much money is already coming in and you could really amplify that. And so it was just a, such a different investment opportunity. Um, but of course, you know, it is going kind to of be hands on more or less depending on the business. And so for this example, you know, do you think you need to learn upholstery yeah. or do you think you just tell people how to
3: <laughs> how to do it? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, so, this, And this is kind of a misnomer of passive income, right? Because everybody wants passive income. Like, I just buy that and then it spits off another $100,000 to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, so,
3: don't we all? Um, and if it was that easy? We'd all do it. Everybody would have their own 16 businesses on the side, right? Like, why not, you know? In this business, it is a what we would call an owner-operator business, right? As it mm-hmm. stands today, right now. So the, there are people working that business and they are owner-operating it. They are putting in hours, you know, whatever it is, 20, 30, 40 hours a week, 50 hours, 100 hours, or whatever it is a week to run that business. Whether they're doing the actual work or not, they probably have laborers that are doing the actual work, right? But they, they are actively engaged in that business on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. They are sitting at the store... Or retail front to have people come in and give them jobs, you know, and talking to them and kind of like, yes, we can do that. Yes, this is how much it's going to cost. You know, there, there's an element. So when people check in with me, and the first question I ask is, is this an investment, or do you really have time to run this business? Because this misnomer of, well, yeah, I was just, I was just trying to like, you know, do do it and like, hopefully, it's seller financed and all this other fun stuff where there could be some real diamonds in the rough out there but that's like the one percent of all the businesses that i would ever sell right mm-hmm. so a lot of these are are you're, you're getting in there you're working it you're, you're you're you know whether you have that skill or not um that's what every business is involved now i will say as the businesses get bigger obviously they have more management they have more they have more people there they have more people to run those businesses so if you can if you can reach a little bit you're probably buying a better business uh but if you're just starting your journey or maybe it, maybe cash is not you know you don't have a ton of cash start with something small but you ha- you have to be able to work it when people say i don't have time to work a business i tell them just buy a property or just put it into to mm. the you know the stock market like that's not this this is actually like working in a business so you need time to do that or else you're going to crash and burn you're just, mm-hmm. it's stack it out it's going to the money's going to go out on the toilet you know at that point so um Anyway, if that's that helps you in regards to, it's a really great question though of how many hours does it take to run a particular business because it's really varies. I mean, it's all, but also when somebody says you gotta be careful too because when somebody says, "Hey, it only I only, I'm only in here five or ten hours a week or whatever is," well, yeah, but they've been running that business for twenty years, right? So they have a, they have a, you know, breadth of knowledge that like, yeah, like you do things for a certain period of time. It's like I can do that in my sleep at that right. point, Right, right? It's, that stuff so you as something new if it's a new concept for you your learning curve is going to be a lot longer maybe you'll get to that point but Mm -hmm. you're certainly it's going to be it's going to be a little rough at the beginning
0: well i appreciate that breakdown you have all these you know what some of these numbers mean and so if people do go on your site and look at different businesses um i know this this friend like if they could buy an arcade that would be their dream you know like running around with kids and playing all day like (laughs) Perfect, you know, but like that doesn't work for everyone. Right. Um, so it's so interesting. And then when you look in your community, how you see that arcade and you see that upholstery business, mm-hmm. no, hmm, now I wonder who owns that. I wonder how the business yeah. is. You know, you have these different perspectives on these places right down the street. So it's, uh, super interesting. And I'm, I'm glad we have that breakdown now for the community.
1: And I, I want to jump in and ask, um, let's say someone is ready to, Uh, hang it up and they have some value in their business and they're ready to sell. Tell us about that process and what the business owner should have in place um, if they're ready to sell a business. Because you said it took you 18 months. I was surprised by the length of that time.
3: Yeah, so uh, it's a good question. Um, Our typical engagement, if you're using a broker, is one year. So typical time to sell a business in the United States is about 8.5 months. Our office is doing a little better with about seven months right now, but we've had some really great businesses that took 18 months or more. Um, in one particular case, it was too big for the the guy down the street or a girl down the street to buy it, but it was too small for the private equity to swoop uh-huh. down and, and buy it. So uh, uh-huh. even though it was a really great business, I mean, the thing was spitting off $900,000 a year, you know, wow. but when it was also, there was a technical aspect because it was, a, it was a, like, you needed to have some skills, to be able to run this. It was a very specific skill to be able to run that business. Um, so you just never know when, the, when, and if you're ready to sell. First of all, I always tell people you can't, you can't recreate history. Okay, so if you think you're going to sell, a lot of times we get a lot of people that are like, ah, I can't do this for one more day. Like, get me out of it. Get me out of it tomorrow. Um, and okay, there's, we can talk about that, and we can, we'll work with you. Um, but I love the people that come to me two years in advance, one year in advance, you know, three years in advance, because they're asking very good questions about what should my business look like when it sells. And what we see a lot is a lot of people are really great at doing something, right? You run a bakery. You you probably started that bakery because you're really good at baking, uh-huh. right? But then you found out all these other business things that are involved with like running a bakery, and you may or may not know your financials well. Do you have a profit and loss statement? Do you have a balance sheet? Do you know what that profit and loss statement looks like? Are you doing all these weird things to cut corners so you don't pay taxes every year? Okay, no judgment there again. But when you're when there's a lot of explaining in your business to somebody, um, it makes it a little bit more challenging to for the buyer to potentially buy into all these things that you did that were um, that need explaining, right? Yeah. Businesses that have clean books and are very easily easy to explain. Those businesses always sell quicker. Yeah. Right? Because um so I think getting with your accountant or whoever you're using, or please use an accountant, uh somebody that if you're not a financial um expert, get one. Get one in your business so you understand what's happening there in your business. Um so I'd say just the first part is what does your business look like, right? What do what your finances look like? What is your your cash flow look like for your business that you understand that before anybody else understands that and we always tell people too i i always start with telling people is (laughs) is there a key employee in the business that potentially would buy the business Mm -hmm. before you work with a broker maybe maybe you don't need to work with me at all is there if you're a franchisee is there is there a franchisee uh in the neighborhood that maybe would acquire you Mm -hmm. right um and sometimes they go huh yeah i've been talking to so-and-so and you know, maybe that does make sense. Maybe you just need a really good attorney who does uh, mergers and acquisitions that helps you with that transaction because you've identified the buyer, right? Or maybe you need a broker that's bringing buyers to the table, or a broker that's going to help you kind of land the plane. So the, the analogy I always say is: is if you're deep sea fishing, it's one thing to to kind of go out, but like putting putting all this stuff on the hook, putting it down there, and now you have you have a big fish on the hook now. Does everybody know how to reel it in? Right. Get it on the boat, cut it up to make sure you can eat it, and kind of go from you know from from there from the ocean all the way to like eating this. I, I not me. I mean, I I, I could probably pull it out and maybe cook it. I don't know. Um, that <laughs> bad, but, um, so. I would just say that that's where you really are engaging in, in somebody. And uh, there's a lot of hesitation sometimes with small business owners because they're like, well, I don't want
1: to, I don't want to pay
3: the commission, and I don't want to do this and that, but. I've seen people, and I almost encourage them, please, try, try to go sell your business yourself because there's a confidentiality part of this as well. Where um, kind of I'm going off on all these tangents, but <laughs> I'll get back to the, the point you asked about. <laughs> you list your business like you list a house. Yeah. You have a listing agreement that's tied with it. We gather all your information, right? So from financials to the story of your business with the little seller questionnaire we have. We create an executive summary that talks about the story of your business. You as the business owner will bless that document. Yes, that that is that represents my business. Then we hit the market. We use seven sites on a regular basis that bring in buyers, but we also, with 30, 40 listings, we have a very large pool of strategic buyers that we can show your business to in a lot of different categories, will mm-hmm. um, tie in with that. And also, that is a confidential process where you're not naming the name of the business. You're just saying... Like you're seeing, upholstery company, western suburbs, you know, forty years of history, whatever it is that's mm-hmm. tied in with it, they will sign a non-disclosure agreement. The buyers will. We'll, we'll call every single one of them just to make sure you're you're not in Winnetka and there's something in Joliet and you don't want to tr- you want to travel down there or whatever it is that ties in with it. Geography is important. Um, knowing if it's an investment or not, if you're going to have time to run the business. I want to disqualify people quickly. Right. But also sometimes they go you know I've been actually been looking for this and you're like oh my gosh we got one of those like no problem I can show you this other listing I mean that's that's the important part of speaking to buyers right, right? so you they sign this NDA this non-disclosure agreement and then now you're giving them you're, you're saying I'm about to give you some very sensitive information I'm giving you the uh, the, the information on this business and then from there you probably have a million questions uh, uh, you have and then you do a showing just like a house yeah so like you're' like this we're having a conversation can you tell me about this can you tell me about this hopefully you're getting to that letter of intent or and if it's a smaller business you're going right to contract on it and even at that part you're they're not married yet you're just kind of dating to see like does this make sense or not like for us to work together and you're in the due diligence phase right now I want to see the tax returns. Now I want to see uh, the client list. Not, and maybe not divulging the actual clients, but client A, B, C, D. Like, you, is there one client that makes up 90% of your revenue? Mm-hmm. Well, that could be an issue because if that client goes away, we yeah. don't have much of a business after that, right? So that's where we get into due diligence. Hopefully through that process with a good broker and two attorneys, one on the buyer side, one on the seller side, you will get to a closing date. You'll get your wire transfer or your check or whatever it is. You have your transition worked out, and then you walk into the sunset after that. That's tied in with them. that's the quickest way I could ever explain it. But that pre that part before we even talk to a broker, look at your stuff now. And if you need, we, we send people to business advisors all the time that are, it's like, hey, listen, I want to get this because it's because I'm I'm do this and I need this for my uh, retirement. Okay, nobody cares. That's you. That's
1: yeah, that's, that's your issue.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Like, and And if your business is worth that. Double thumbs up. That's great. But if you need to work a little harder in your business, we'll give you to somebody that'll get you to the, the promised land with the value that'll do exit planning for you. But I just get a lot of people that are just very frustrated. They're burnt out. They're tired, you know, and it's like, get me out of here tomorrow. Although, one thing that I think is always hilarious is they say that, and then the first... Time Minute they get it off and they're like that's not enough I I can't take <laughs> that it's like wait a minute you said five minutes ago that you wanted to get out of this like there's a check waiting for you here and now all of a sudden we're going to have this moment of like what it's worth you know so anyway it's a lot it's very emotional for a lot of people oh yeah what, um I mean think about it it's, like it's your you buy your house uh, you get married you sell your business I mean those are those are really big things in life that. I mean, unless you're a serial entrepreneur that does this every day, most people are only doing this once or twice. Right. In their whole life.
1: Right. And they're selling, I mean, I think it's a lot more emotional than selling uh, a house because you put your blood, sweat and tears into that. It meant something to you, you know? Um, and yeah, it is, it is funny. Like you said on the internet, Oh, buy for $0. You just sit back with your feet up and get all sorts of money coming in. And, you know, it, it's true. I mean, if you own your own business, you know it, Matt. I know it. Maggie knows it. It's, you know, working 80 hours for yourself. But if it's something you love, it's your mission, it's your it's your calling, you'd much rather do that than work 40 hours to help somebody else make money, right?
3: 100%. 100% actually. And I, am, I have no doubt there's a couple really great e-commerce businesses or something that are less hands-on. Yeah, there, there, There's some small percentage of people that probably – doesn't have to work that hard in some of those businesses, but it's really, really small percentage. And then it's just kind of selling the stream to everybody else to do that.
2: Purse Strings offers an available for hire network of vetted professionals who specialize in serving women. When you have a life event that has suddenly made money a priority, you can now move forward with a whole new confidence that you're getting advice and services from savvy professionals who are uniquely equipped to serve your needs. Go to pursestrings.co and use our directory of handpicked financial professionals when you're ready to plan for retirement, navigate divorce, buy your next home, fire up your new business and more. Go to pursestrings.co or check the link in the show notes. Now you can be financially fearless. Well, I do have one
1: more question that's really important and it's around funding. So let's say somebody comes in, let's say a mom comes in, you know, she's a stay-at-home mom, her kids are going to start going to school, she's going to have some free time, she'd like to own her own business, I'm just setting up a scenario. She sees something out there, a cleaner is whatever it might be, and she's like, you know, I. I always wanted to own my own business. This is something I'd be interested in doing. Um, How does someone like that who has a mortgage, you know, has some kids in school and they want to own their own business, how do they get funding for that?
3: Yeah, so um, the SBA, the uh, Small Business Administration, is still a wonderful vehicle for people to not have to put a lot of capital in. Um, So there's a bajillion banks that will be happy to talk to you if you have a decent credit score to get into that. Uh, we work with some uh, specific referral lists that we know are good banks that will get the deal done. Because the three things that can blow up a deal is lawyers, lenders, and landlords. I mean, the, the three L's that happen all the time. So if you're talking about the lender specifically, so I think getting pre-qualified, going to a bank and saying, I'd like to buy a business, here's what my financials look like. And typically you only need 10% down to buy a business with an SBA loan. Mm-hmm. Now, rates are kind of bonkers right now, but it's still a means to an end to get into that business, and I think knowing that in advance and being a very good buyer to like come to them and say, "I know, i I know what I'm doing. This is the bank I'm using. I'm pre-qualified. I'm re-, just like a house as well." The people that say, "Like I don't want a contingency. I don't want a contingency to this thing. I, I want to know you're ready to go." Yeah. So oh, that's very helpful. Or proof of funds, right? Okay. Yeah. I have. I put away some money. And I have this money that, you know, I can show you that I, you don't have to show their account or anything, but like, you know, hey, I, I do have fun. I can show you proof of funds that I have those funds. And then there are some interesting things too. There's, um, I mean, gosh, there's like Rob's loans out there which basically means you're using your 401k to create another 401k that owns the business. So you're avoiding that pre-penalty upfront to take all your money out of a 401k. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, you're not dependent on what the bank says in underwriting because, that process can be, be a SBA.
1: so you're you're loaning getting a loan against your four hundred one k is what you're saying.
3: Correct, correct. Um, you're loaning you're basically loaning yourself your own money to create a four hundred one k.
1: So there's lots of different scenarios. If you got an SBA loan, it's prime plus two percent or something. Usually, prime right now is at so you're looking at ten or eleven percent on the loan if you were to do this today
3: with the standard. Now I, there are some banks traditional banks that are just doing prime okay i mean they're just, they're just doing prime right now now those are probably more traditional banks that are going to hold the loan but they're a little I, I am finding that those banks can be a little bit more conservative right like we're, they're not going to look on everything and their underwriting process is going to be maybe a little bit more intense if they're going to do that but yeah there's a lot of lenders prime plus one prime plus two yeah you're absolutely
1: right okay so essentially this all comes down to Really, it's like buying a house, an investment that way. Um, But it's got its own uh, unique uh, ups and downs, ins and outs, whatever strategies. There's probably a million ways you can go about it. That's why you need
0: Matt, right?
3: (laughs) We can certainly help.
0: That's why I just love this conversation as we hear so much about investing, especially real estate investing. And that's not always everyone's cup of tea. Um, and so it's just awesome to bring these other opportunities that, um, are very similar, but still different. Um, and can, you know, just take, take your investments in a different direction. Um, and so real estate's not always, you know, the one option, but, you know, you can, you can make your own business, but you can then purchase your own business, um, which is so empowering as well. So, um, I was just so excited to learn about this and share this with the community.
1: So Matt is one. Matt is one of our purse strings approved professionals. You can find him at pursestrings.co. We also, like Matt said, it's really important for small businesses to understand their numbers. And I get that part because, you know, you're so in tune to your bakery or your nails or your salon or your cleaners, whatever it is you love to do. You're not about the, the financials. That's not what you went into business to do your financials at the same. Time, So you really need experts in that area. We also have CPAs and bookkeepers and accountants at Purse Strings as well if you're in a business and you need that kind of help. Um, but Matt, how else can um, can women find out about you if they're curious about talking to you about perhaps starting a business or selling a business?
3: Sure. The easiest way is just uh, our website, which is tworld.com, uh, I think it's forward slash LaGrange. So we're specifically at the LaGrange office. There are many, many transit offices across the country. We are out of LaGrange. We have, like I said, eight people in our office. Um, tworld.com forward slash Lagrange. Just you can see a lot of stuff there, and then you can browse through our listings. You can, you know, their phone numbers right up on there as well. That's usually the, the easiest. Or if you can remember Lagrange at tworld.com, so Lagrange at t is in tom, that comes to me directly as well.
0: Awesome. We'll make sure um, those links, of course, are in the show notes as well. But we thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise today with our communities of women. Everyone who's listening, uh, make sure to like and subscribe uh, so you're notified when we have a new episode and we'd love a five-star review. Um, But if you're thinking about you know, buying or selling a business, definitely give Matt a call. Open these conversations. The sooner the better and be
2: financially fearless. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much.